Hello. Hello. Industry. 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 Hello and welcome back to Industry Tactics, a podcast interviewing some of the finest weirdos in music today. And this is my talk with Brian Poole and David Jansen otherwise known as Ronaldo and the Loaf. They've been around since the 70s making experimental music uh, out of Great Britain. And, um, and they went to San Francisco and recorded with The Residents and, and, and their label, Ralph Records. Really exciting stuff to be able to uh, sit down and connect with two heroes of mine. Uh, when I was growing up as a, as a teenager, I my buddy Matt Daly, Matt, this one's dedicated to you. He got me hooked on this music. This is the music of Ronaldo and the Loaf, an interview I, I had recently over Skype, and I do apologize for the audio quality of this recording, but uh, it's a fantastic interview. Two guys, friends since the 70s, making music together and, and developing uh, their friendship over the years over music, which is a really beautiful thing. This is my chat with Brian Poole and David Jansen. Ronaldo and the Loaf, ladies and gentlemen, sit back and prepare to be dazzled. You sound great. I mean, I don't mind talking a little louder if it helps. <laughs> oh, I can hear you okay, okay Rich. Uh, 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 Dave was a bit faint, that's all. Okay. Well, if it's okay with you, I, I think we've got clearance here. Do you guys Are you guys okay to go for it? Yeah, why not? Yeah, sure. All right. And you both have two distinct voices, so I won't have trouble knowing who's speaking. This is great. I haven't put a funny voice on yet. No, I'm wait. I'm waiting for it, but we'll get there. <laughs> uh, Brian, hey? have, you got your, have you got your hat on? No, should I? <laughs> no, I haven't. Just, it's just too uncomfortable for social things. <laughs> well, I want to thank you. Welcome to the podcast, Industry Tactics. Right, great to be here. We've yeah. got we've got Brian Poole and David Jensen, Ronaldo and the Loaf. Ole, everybody. Hi. <laughs> It's it's a very special day, gentlemen. Uh, it's no problem. So, where does this find you guys? Where are you living? You, Brian, you're in Portsmouth. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> and David? I'm in Wales. I'm in a little town in mid Wales called Rayada. How do you spell that? R H A Y A D E R. Rayada. Okay, right on. And and have you both? How far is that from from Brian? Like, how far do you guys live? Oh, what is it? 
couple of hundred miles, is it, Brian? Yeah, just over two, 220 odd miles, something like that. Oh, wow. So to get together is, uh, is work. Yeah. Uh, no, it's always pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should rephrase that. It's, it's always pleasure. Yeah, good. Um, no, it's okay. I'll, I'll get to drive over to visit uh, Dave perhaps a couple of times a year. Okay, okay. And do you work collaboratively using uh, technology? Like, it, uh, we're, we're Skyping this call in, obviously, now, but um, how do you, co- I mean, if we might just get right into it, how do you collaborate on projects together living so far away? Mainly, mainly file file sharing, really. Oh wow! Oh yeah, we do that. We talk on the phone a lot. Okay. Yeah. Just bounce ideas backwards and forwards, and uh, I mean it's that kind of thing is so much easier with um, digital technology than when we were using tape. Okay. What I I don't know about Brian, but what I always uh, I always found was that. Once you'd cut the tape and uh, committed to a course of action, there was no go, there was no undo. Right. You know, whereas uh, now we've got almost infinite undo. We can go back, we can change things, we can add things. It's mm-hmm. uh, there's just a lot more versatility, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it makes the decision making process a lot more difficult too. Yeah, you know, I imagine having so much flexibility. Whereas as Dave's right. I mean, in, you know, in the old days, we'd possibly turn a song round in. In an afternoon, uh, you know, and uh, and that's it. We just say I'll move on to the next thing. And uh, I suppose now with, with with the digital technology, we we have various stages the song goes through and refinements and comments we make and things like that. I mean, like like anybody that's collaborating, except um, you know, we, we we have to do it at distance. Right. Well. Um... Thanks. We're into it here. I want to, for me, you know, it was all about walking around my hometown as a teenager. I I grew up in Brampton, Canada, and uh, listening to CD mixes of your music. uh, This would have been in the mid-90s, I guess. Uh, My best friend, Matthew Daly, kind of tipped me off on, on, on your sound and your music. And, you know, it hit me at that perfect time in my life. I was, I was immersing in weirdo culture. And, uh, you guys were I, I want to know kind of from from your end like I've got all of your music in the back of my brain you know it's it had a, a serious impact on my on my development as a musician I want to know like who the Ronaldo and the loaf was in your lives when you were growing up and, and got you hooked on music making well the yeah, reason we yeah. actually came together in the first place probably is yeah, eh? Tyrannosaurus Rex was the earliest um, yeah. big influence for both of us I'd say that's yeah, really that's... what started us off on uh, making music together our mutual um, love of Tyrannosaurus Rex we both had acoustic guitars and um, I suppose our earliest uh, the, the earliest things we did were kind of um, in the vein of Tyrannosaurus Rex kind of imitating them but not exactly because we never ever um set out to learn to play other people's songs it was in the vein of but in in our own uh style yeah it's it's like we that's why we sort of you know stayed a duo because the original tyrannosaurus rex being a duo um i suppose subconsciously that that's how we felt we we would always be and so we never aspired to conventional band set up or anything like that 
So it's always been you too since the beginning, pretty much. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. I really find that it's uh, that's, uh, that's charming. So that's been over how many years now? The late seventies, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Or earlier. Well, we've known each other and been playing music, as as Dave said, since probably about nineteen seventy seventy one. Wow. The first music. Seventy. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, we we met in I, the school art room. That's you, right. <laughs> we met in the school art room. I was sixteen, going on seventeen, and Brian was. Seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, D- Dave was doing a drawing um, of a, <laughs> I think it was a Transformers Rex album cover or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And okay. I said, oh, you know, do, do you like them? And uh, he said, yeah. And I was doing a drawing based on a Transformers Rex song. Okay. Uh, and that's how our, you know, friendship started, and based on that mutual like of Transformers Rex, and then then we just found that. I don't know. We just sort of um, had similar tastes for a while. Then what was interesting is that as we started playing music and listening to different stuff, the kinds of records we were listening to diverged a bit. And that made an interesting mix. You know, Dave was saying, have you heard this? And I was saying, oh, have you heard this? You know, it sort of informed us in different ways. What attracted you to to that music? (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> there was n- nothing else really like it. The use of voices, a bit because they only um, had an acoustic guitar and uh, bongo drums. Um, they used to do a lot of things with voices that I think, had they the 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 money and the uh, expertise, they would have used other instruments. But they used to do a lot of things where they'd use voices in uh, quite interesting ways. Yeah. Actually, it hadn't occurred to me that, Dave. Um, when you think about it, you, that's quite right. Uh, yeah, they would, you know, you'd almost sort of think that they were treating their voice in some way, but Mark Boland's voice was very, very dexterous. At the time, Steve Took, who he was playing with, could, you know, make some interesting harmonies with him. And uh, that um, maybe that's what inspired us as well. Hmm. Wow, I love it because I, I'm very inspired by your use. And I want to get into it later about kind of your sound and what makes it so special to me. But part of it is that, you know, you've almost created, to me, you've, you've created your own language by cutting up the English language and just a, a, a very different approach to, to sound and production in general. But a, a lot of what uh, is at the core of it for me is that you, it's very it sounds very simple and I kind of want to get into it. it. It blows my mind to this day when I hear your stuff saying, how the hell did they do that? Well, to a certain extent, we, we look back and say, now, how the hell did we do that? Yeah. Um, we, you know, we have certain memories of how things were done. Uh, if, you, if you had a specific track in mind, we, we might be able to remember. At this point, why don't we, I wanted to start by playing something from uh, Struve and Sneff. And maybe uh-huh. maybe we can start by playing. Uh, I don't know. Do you have a track off of that record that we can kind of talk about? Anything that you remember? Okay, sounds okay. interesting. What uh, like what what would you recommend we play? I could play anything from it. What would you recommend, and we can kind of talk about it? Oh boy. Okay. Um, it, uh, Dave, you choose. I'm, I'm, I'm... <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to have something in mind, Rich, and play well, it. Well, 
I'm happy to play. I mean, uh, the, cool. the, that tune that I covered is Scottish Shuffle. That's a that's a, a favorite. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna cut to that. I'll, I'll insert it afterwards. But um, let's let's pretend that we've cut to it, gentlemen. Take a breath. Take a breath here. We'll cut this out. just heard Scottish Shuffle 
do you what are your memories from when that that tune was made like where were you what kind of gear were you using i don't know whatever else whatever comes to mind well basically two two electric guitars the backing loop the uh, right at the back is um the 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 hissy sound is actually an aerosol spray can amazing and um, the the other sound is kind of just pressing the strings against the pickup, and then, and then the guitar it. over the top is played. Uh, we were both playing um, hammered guitar, weren't we, Brian? Yeah, we did. We played hammered, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you had that your famous backward uh, lead guitar bit. <laughs> yeah, of course, that's part of the sound. And, um, and where were you? Where was it recorded? Uh, Dave's um, Randy's house. So in in uh, Rioter? No, oh, no, no this in, is Portsmouth. In, in Portsmouth. We were both living in Portsmouth. Okay, you made those records both living in Portsmouth. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, just yeah, D- Dave lived round the corner from me. Um, obviously, we went to the same school, and uh, he lived round the corner, and uh, so. I can't remember if Scottish Shuffle was actually done on the... Was it done on the, the four-track, Dave? Yeah. It yeah, was. We it was 1980. And and how how old are you around that time? Like, just ballpark? 1980? Oh, I've been 27. Wow, guys, this is amazing. It's such a bloody honor. I'm going to stop geeking out and move on, okay? Okay. <laughs> Unless any other memories on, on Scottish Shuffle are, are there for you. Well, there's the backward vocal bit, of course. Which, oh, uh, yes. Yeah. The rock cod vocals. Yeah. The shall, shall we dance, okay. Shall yeah. we dance, this, this, yes. this, this was something we discovered <laughs> completely by accident. Yeah. Uh, I, I just had the idea that um, if you took a phrase yeah. and said it backwards and ran the tape backwards and then, so you recorded it backwards and then played it forwards... It would sound like normal speech, but all the stresses and the accents are in the wrong place. And that's, and, that's how we did. And it sounds yeah. Scottish. When, when an English voice does it, it sounds Scottish. Unbelievable formula. So. Uh, anyway, a little backstory quickly on that is that um, we, we call it the rock cod voice. And you may wonder why rock cod features in our stuff and, you know, um, I mean, our production company is called Rock Cod Productions. Okay. Uh, used to be on the telly in the uh, 60s, uh, uh, a sort of, um, I don't know what you call it, just a, a show, like a, a, a drama mm-hmm. called Dr. Findlay's Casebook. Okay. And it was it was based in Scotland, and it was very funny <laughs> in the sense when you saw it back when, you know, in the sort of uh, uh, late 70s or 80s, it was so cheesy and uh, and we just sort of thought that uh, our Scottish voices sounded like um, those actors. And so the idea of Doctor was used, um, which then we, of course, extend into the idea of doctoring sound and stuff like that. Wow. Doctoring sound and treating sound. Is that is that sort of like one of the high-pitched Ronaldo and the Loaf singing voices, is that what is that kind of de- derived from that as well, or is this more the, the backward vocal stuff? Uh, well, rock cod voices are always the backward vocal things. Okay. Um, I don't consciously remember being influenced to sing like any of the characters in Dr. Finley's casebook. Um, <laughs> the, 
I'm sure there are the high pitched of... voice is just I used to be able to do it then, you know. And, and, so is that that's you then, Brian? Eh, in the high pitched voice? Yeah, I can't I can't yeah. sing to save my life. David, do you sing at all then? In in no, in no every every time I used to sing, my wife used to say, "Tell me where it hurts." Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So I think uh, I think there is one song that Dave sings. Oh, there is indeed. Yes. Yeah. He was, nah, she yeah, wears she, black. Yeah. Oh, that's she, me doing yeah. the main vocal on that. She wears black, and what what album is that off of? Oh, well, it originally oh, came out on a cassette uh, as a compilation thing for a French or Belgian label. Okay. Um, I think we put it on one of the bonus discs on the Clang Gallery releases. Yeah, is it on the one with um, yodeling? Okay. Right. Yeah, there. I think so. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out and see if, if we can dig it up. It would be awesome to, to play it, but I won't put you on the spot there, David. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the name Ronaldo and the Loaf come from? Well, it's back to the late 70s when uh, we used to, like with a group of friends, uh, go out for, to the pub on a Friday or a Saturday night. Yes. And the 
people have been reading the uh, the Dice Man by Luke Reinhardt. Okay. Uh, and for fun, decided to uh, choose what pub we went to, what we did in the pub, or whatever. Usually, quite surreal things by the throw of a dice. Oh, cool! Uh, and basically, we uh, each then um, were christened, as it were, with dice names by another member of the group. Whoa! Uh, and those were the names we used when we went out uh, to the pub. And, and that's um, and that stuck. Ronaldo oh, yeah. and the love. Yeah, I mean, for for my part, Ronaldo. My full name is Ronaldo Malpractice, and uh, well, we don't actually know why the guy that gave me the name gave me that name. He, he just yeah. sort of <clears throat> had a stream of consciousness and just said it. Yeah. Uh, and um, and Dave, your your one. What was, what's your one? Ted, Ted the loaf um, comes from the fact that at the time I had quite a big beard. And the person who gave me the name thought it made me look like a teddy bear. And at the time, I just graduated with a degree in zoology. So that the other part of this, the, I don't know if you're familiar with Cockney rhyming slang? No. Um, well, Ted the loaf. The loaf is loaf of bread, head. Loaf of bread rhymes with head. And someone who uses their loaf or uses their head is... Uh, oh. Oh. A brainy person. Oh, that's thank you, gentlemen. I'm, I'm getting right. we're, we're behind the curtain here with Ronaldo and the Loaf on industry tactics. What a damn treat this is! Um, I really, really appreciate you guys taking us back, and I love the idea of the stories behind all of this stuff. That's become that's really a. Uh, a staple in a lot of weirdos' lives, and I know that um, now with technology getting the way it being the way it is, um, it's really nice to connect with the community of weirdos that you've kind of helped build internationally. Right? There's a lot of people. You guys know this. There's a lot of people that were ser are seriously moved by the work that you do, and and it's really nice to uh, to to kind of get that story from you. Of, uh, of of where the name comes from, right? Oh, that, that's 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 great to hear. I mean, so uh, you know, we we lead generally quite insular lives, and uh, even in the old days, we were, you know, we were never we were never part of a local music scene. Is that right? Um, not yeah. really. No, we weren't. I mean, people didn't even know we existed, really. Lo locally in, in Portsmouth then when you were coming up there was no like there was no feeling of because part of what I, I'm doing with the podcast is talking with a lot of artists who do feel sort of like outsiders and I wonder if that's if that resonates with you if there was that sense of when you started of, of being outsiders in music I don't, I don't think so outsider really outsider is the right word we were just no. it's more we were just plowing our own furrow and uh, quite happy to do that yeah. I mean, it's like when we uh, decided to reveal some of our music in the first Struve Sniff cassette. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, we, we we just recorded some songs and hadn't really thought what to do with them. And, you know, we weren't like we didn't play live, of course. And uh, and uh, it was really when we decided to reveal that we existed through that cassette 
that people in Portsmouth or the other bands really knew that we we were there. And and were you um, were you checking them out live? Like when you talk about the other bands, like were you friends with people in music, or was it more pe- friends with people in visual arts, or what? Uh neither, well, neither really. From from my part, I think maybe Brian, with yeah. your connections with the art college and the architecture. Maybe oh yeah, I mean yeah. I, I do. Yeah, I wouldn't say, because, I, I, no, we weren't, like, you know, hanging out at that time when, when we did Struve Snev with, like, other people in the music scene here. Yeah, okay. Um, it was only after that came out that we were invited uh, to participate in a, a compilation LP of um, Portsmouth bands, and uh, uh, and we which we did, and we, we had, th- like, three tracks on it, uh, including Scottish Shuffle, uh, and wow. then people... New, and then we used to hang out at a particular like musicy pub, uh, and um, we got to know a number of bands that way. Mm. Um, Brian, earlier, but, uh, earlier mm-hmm. you had mentioned uh, you, you sort of said, "Of course, we weren't playing live." Live, and and that's interesting to me because so many musicians, their path has that live music component to it. I want, I'm I'm fascinated by the fact. Has that always been the case then that you guys have? not typically been alive i know there's a few live tracks that have just been released like the bally high thing at the end of the re-release well, that's the only one there is yeah. oh wow <laughs> <laughs> wow we've only ever played live once oh my god no i mean right yeah. from the early days um right from when we first started playing guitars together we, we recorded things initially on um you had that cassette recorder, didn't you, Brian, that we used to begin with? Yeah. And then we uh, we got yeah. a couple of reel-to-reel machines and um, gradually over the years got more sophisticated equipment. So this is, uh, you know, in a way it's really like a, a, I'm fascinated by your, your relationship because it's been, um, is it more than 40 years? How's my math? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, more, more than 40, 40 years. years yeah. It's been over 40 years of you guys really, I mean, collaborating together, but n- not in that sense of playing the music live. It's really been a matter of d- d- seeing the relationship kind of grow over this collaborative recording. Uh, I, see, I didn't realize that. I, I thought you, at some point, were playing live together. That's fascinating. No. Quite no, beautiful. No, basically, do, doing... Doing our music was very much a hobby. It's the kind of thing we did for to relax. And I mean, we you know we had like certainly you know from like uh, I'd say in the well actually come to think of it right from the beginning we we we'd have like a regular thing. I think it was a was it Tuesdays and Saturdays, Dave? Certainly every Saturday, and then I think <clears throat> evening in the week was um, depending on That's when right. we were both uh, both free. But I, I That's think right. the, I think the other thing about the way we worked was <clears throat> I think the thing for us was the the creativity of creating a new piece of music once we'd done that we moved on to the next piece we didn't keep playing it and playing it and playing it to refine it <clears throat> so that we could play it live right we've moved we just moved on to the you know what's the next project we're going to work on wow guys uh, it's it's beautiful when we did get asked to play live to promote the um that portsmouth compilation lp south specific uh we said uh, okay we'll do it uh but we can't we knew we couldn't reproduce any of the songs 
of, of a Struve Snev um, ourselves, we couldn't do it. Um, maybe partially because we'd probably forgotten how to play them anyway. Sure. And uh, and so we did a, a an improvisation, uh, which we often use to sort of limber up or or to actually get ideas and sometimes use parts of uh, live on stage. So we did an improvisation uh, with a, a tape delay system which we pinched from Brian Eno. And this is back in the 70s? No, this, uh, this is 1980. Time. Amazing. And how did it go How did it go over? Was it well received? Well, I think uh, so. There's I clapping. <laughs> That's a good measurement. Um, yeah. yeah. People, people said, wow, that was really alternative. Yeah, I, well, I bet. That's what I'm wondering is when you released that first tape, um, how did the buzz, like, how was it received? Were people freaking out? I mean... Well, if they were, they were doing it privately. Yeah, um, a good private freakout. Yeah, you don't know. So, I, look, I just—that's the one of the only gauges. If you talk about the, the title of this podcast, industry tactics, playing live is really one of the the, the few gauges of are people how are people reacting to this. But so I'm interested interested to see how your your how your music caught with uh with others like other other weirdos even sorry I mean, so we only ever collaborated with um uh a couple of other local musicians maybe like okay the flautist that we played with for a while uh and then we had a, a cello player come in for a one afternoon and uh we, we did a jam with him uh well, but Dave, um Dave I, I think the, our, violin, hmm? the violinist who played on bearded cats <clears throat> oh yeah that's Dave right. Baker? Yeah, Dave that was Baker? a guy from the art college. Okay, so who went to the art college? Oh uh, well, I, I did some teaching there, and I left. I left the school of architecture, finished architecture degree and master's degree and stuff like that, and then went to um, was asked to go and do some visiting lecturer stuff at the local art college, and that way got to got to meet various people like wow. photographers and, and all that. And there was this guy, one of the lecturers. Uh, played violin, and uh, Dave, you never met him, did you? I never met him. No. No. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I just came up to our, I came up to my place one evening, and I said, "Oh, well, this is something we're working on," which was bearded cats, and played him the backing, and uh, he, he just, I think it was second take, he just played along to it, and then we went to the pub, and that was it. Um, why, why don't we, uh, why don't we play that track? Do you want to play that track? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here it comes now, bearded cats.
Okay, so that was Bearded Cats from Arabic Yodeling. And gentlemen, um, so D David, David, you're a zoologist. Brian, you're an architect. Is that right? D or well, I'm an architect. Um, uh, I wouldn't call myself a, a zoologist. Most of my working life, I worked um, within the health service as a biomedical scientist. The loaf. The you you put so you put the loaf to work. You could say that. <laughs> and, and and Brian, um, so th this is just very interesting to me what your careers were and how you kind of fostered along y your music, um, n not necessarily as as traditional working musicians, right? Oh no, God, no, no. It was, I I think we really saw it more as a hobby. Yeah, uh, beautiful. A hobby that we took seriously. But yes. It's really, yeah, the music, the music is, you know, we've never earned a living with it. We, we, we're you know, obviously um, realistic enough to, to work that out. Uh, and as Dave said, it's a hobby, which if it if people liked it, that made us feel happy. Um, and then obviously we went on to sort of you know release various things. And I suppose it then built up into something a, a bit more serious, um, only when we signed... Signed, um, signed up to Ralph Records. Yes. So it's like fun, which then all of a sudden, eventually, well, sort of became uh, fun extra, if you like, that uh, more and more people were hearing it. There was product and reviews and all that stuff. Uh, but it, it wasn't really, we weren't like sort of like starry-eyed kids saying, hey, we want to be famous or anything like that. It, it all just happened... Um, organically really well you're, you're reminding me of um there's a renowned noise band here in canada you, you may have heard of them called the nihilist spasm band oh yeah and and you've heard of them they build their own musical instruments and they, they still continue to this day and what really fascinates me about what how they kind of exist have existed is uh is it's more about hanging out and, and making music and sharing this relationship. But for them, it's been, I think, over 50 years that they continue to record and tour and do their thing, you know. And a lot of what you guys are saying is reminding me about that, even from the fact that you kind of come to music from different backgrounds. And I think there's something there, guys. Like, it's one time too many that I notice um, a bar medical scientist and an architect making music together. This is kind of the sound that comes out of that very rich friendship that you guys have. You know, it's it's t t very beautiful to me. Oh, well, it's cool. It's like we, you know, I think you're right it, when you said it's like a way to hang out. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know, it's friendships. You know, you need well, friendships um, work and stay together because of mutual interests. Yeah, you know, and. And so, you know, the friends hang out. So if we got this mutual interest, then we just did that. We just played music, mm. recorded music. Yeah. Um, and I then think the difference is with, uh, with uh, conventional bands, uh, you place an advert in, a, uh, in the local press or in a music paper, a guitarist wanted for a band. Yeah. So you, you come together as musicians uh, and you may or may not be friends. And w when you hear what goes on behind the scenes in some bands, it's quite obvious that they're not friends. Yeah, or, or yeah. If, or if they were friends, uh, quite often, quite quickly, they they cease to be friends. Yeah, yeah. Whereas uh, I think it would be true to say that with Brian and I, we were friends first. Wow. And remain friends, and the music is uh, is just part and parcel of that.
Well put. Well put. And 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 what are what are your music educations like? I mean, are you formally trained, or it's not that I care? <laughs> yes, thank you for your laughter. I appreciate that. I I appreciate that and embrace no. you both. <laughs> Basically, we both when we both sort of started grooving off on Tyrannosaurus Rex, we yeah we both went for acoustic guitars. Okay, and figured well we need to learn to play these things somehow. And I mean, the first things we actually recorded were just like very simple two string plucking and, you know, extremely primitive and sort of wonky singing as well. And uh, but then we went to the uh, music teacher at school and asked uh, asked him to teach us some chords and stuff like that. And we took a, the nearest we could get to anything we were interested in was a book of folk blues songs. OK, uh, at which he proceeded to play to us, but he had no idea what folk blues sounded like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he sang it in a classical way. He oh. played it in a classical way, um, which we thought was really funny, but it taught us nothing. So <laughs> we we decided to ditch that, and we just said, well, okay, we can buy a book and we can learn how to play, you know, C, G, and F and stuff Yeah. Uh, if we want, yeah. and then just taught ourselves. Are, where, who plays clarinet? Well, I used to play clarinet. It's Dave. I've, I've not, I've not actually touched the musical instrument uh, in anger for about twenty-five years. No, probably more than that, actually. Okay, wow. But the the sounds you've 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 made with it. I mean, I'm just also thinking of you know your sound is so special and your laughter enough. Uh, when when I said what was your music education like, that was the answer I was looking for. You know, it's I'm fascinated by how you get these beats. Like some of your music is 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 scary. Some of your music is is so happy and joyous, and then you get these beats that it's it's very danceable. Like I'm thinking of that song. I don't know the name of it, but it goes. Um, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What, what's that song? Critical Dance. Oh, that's Critical Dance. Isn't it? Critical Dance. Like, that is a dance song. Like, like what What? What did you use to make that, that beat, that drum beat? Like, if you, if I may. It's a loop again, isn't it? It's, it's a loop again. I can't remember what, what we used for that. Can't remember. Let's play a quick clip. Uh, actually, you know what? Out of respect, we're going to play that entire song right now. Just freak out alone, as we all do, to Ronaldo and the Loaf. Here it comes now. Uh, what is it called? It's called The Critical Dance. Thank you. 
Guys, you're making my life here. Eh? I hope you know that. Oh, it's, it, well, hopefully we're sort of not too boring. Are you kidding me, man? No, come on. No, this is a, this is a really great moment. I think one of the things you were talking about the sound with the clarinet. I mean, part of the reason for that with the clarinet was the, the clarinet was the cheapest wind instrument that I could afford at the time. Cool. I would like to have bought a saxophone. So the clarinet sounds the way it does because it's me trying to make it sound like a saxophone, basically. And that also ties in with the way we um, approach playing the guitar, uh, particularly in, in this sort of uh, Struve Sneff songs for Swinging Larvae. Synthesizers were becoming very popular and we couldn't afford a synthesizer, so we tried to make our guitar sound like synthesizers. Amazing. That's right. We, we tried to mimic things and been trying to mimic them, they go wrong, but then make something else. You know, if we uh, wanted uh, a particular, oh, let's, as Dave said, let's make the clarinet sound like the uh, the saxophone. That was largely, I imagine, you know, done through using um, an effects pedal or something. Yeah. You know, so you could yeah. fatten the sound up or multi-track it. Yeah. But in the end, it didn't sound like a saxophone. It didn't sound like a clarinet. It sounded like a, a third instrument. Yeah. And that's what I find so attractive is the, is the production and the experimentation in your music. I... I think about the gear that you use. Is it? Are you both gearheads? Do you have a lot of gear, or like, like how how do you? Uh, I don't know. How how does that whole world work? Like, it sounds like you're. Very, it's very almost minimalist, making the most out of a, an eight track or a four track, or now. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it was always making the most of the resources we had and um, pushing the resources into areas that they probably were never intended to go. Um, if we ever did get a bit of uh, a new piece of equipment, we always um, try to find out what it would do if you did things with it that you weren't really supposed to do. Well, an aerosol can, right. you know, an aerosol can tells me that you'll squeeze music just to, out, out of just about anything, right? Yeah, well, what that came yeah. about is like, like, you know, in the 80s, the early 80s, there were always the syn, syn drum sounds, you know? Yeah. Electronic yeah. drums, you know? Yeah. And you would get the... That sort of thing. Yeah. And... We didn't have anything that would go, and so uh, we found. Oh, actually, this deodorant spray makes a sort of a sound like it. And, and actually, was that looped, or did I did I actually actually play it all the way through? I don't think, I don't think we could have had um, three and a half minutes of the Lynx effect. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> the room would have been pretty fuggy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another reason. That's another way how you get that sound, eh? Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening at home, all, all you young tacticians, uh, you squeeze music out of just about anything and uh, and, and be careful for your health. It's like on Struve, Sneff and Larve, we, yeah. you know, using things that just came to hand as, as hacksaw blades we used, uh, uh, old, old bits of metal hanging up. I mean, things that nowadays people think oh yeah it's fine i can sample that or i can get a sample then we just had to you know grab what there was and like we wanted a bass drum sound on um one track i think on his guava donut we wanted yeah, a bass drum we, sound we just, it was a 25 liter plastic um uh container is that right yeah it was what a flocking I... agent or something wasn't it yeah that's what it held originally. yeah that's it's called flock it drum on the record but it was a it was a, a particular flocculating agent or something. Yeah. It was some sort of liquid. Wow! Um, and so that was used. Mm. But it's like on uh, with improvising things like um, 
uh, on Street Called Straight. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just a percussion be... sound there. Dave made some drums out of cling film and pots and pans, didn't you? It was just one. It was just it was looped again, and it was just um, it was a piece of cling film stretched over a plastic cake mixing bowl, and then stretched the different tensions to make the different pitches of the um, the different drum sounds, and then all looped together. Oh, you're blowing my mind here, guys. This is like. Um... I don't know if you have this show in Great Britain, but it's a, there's a show called How It's Made here in in Canada. It'll it'll show you like how a school bus is made, or how licorice gets made, and and this is yeah, for really oh yeah yeah I think it think it's on over here somewhere yeah that's kind of like it for me right now. So look, look, why don't we? I'm just gonna play a little bit of a sample of that uh, 25 liter uh, drum sound from Is Guava a Donut? Give you guys a little uh, if you haven't heard this tune before, it's a classic Ronaldo song. Excuse me. Excuse me, could you tell me, excuse me, sir, is Dover a seaport? Sure, it's a seaport. Pardon me, please, sir, pardon, pardon me, has Grover a passport? Sir, I say, just one second, please. I say, I say, do gophers eat peanuts? I'm not sure. That was Is Guava a Donut, and uh, and now one of my favorite beats is Street Called a Straight. Let's 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 hear that uh, just just to give you a little bit of background of, of these amazing beats that you guys have created. Um, here it comes now from Street Called a Straight. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
And that was from the Elbow is Taboo. And uh, one of my favorite album covers growing up, I, I re really used to fantasize those two elbows, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bit of a strange story because the, the, the title of the album came up in, a, again, with just a group of friends in the pub. And um, somebody just said it, didn't they? Well, I said it, I think, but we were we were talking oh, yeah, about right. uh, we were talking about <laughs> we were talking about fetishes and why um, certain things were acceptable and so why it was acceptable to show certain parts of the body and not to show other parts of the body. And somebody said, "Well, what about you know, supposing uh, elbows were um, you know considered to be decent to be shown?" And I just said, "Yes, the elbow is taboo." Well, you know. It yeah, listeners at home, if you want to go online now and look at that album cover, and gentlemen, thank you very much. Now, I've, I've, for the last 20 years, I've had a goddamn elbow fetish, and uh, I want to thank you for it. If we were on video, Rich, I could show you the elbows. They're on a shelf about four feet away from me. Oh, my God, Brian, you're blowing my mind. Maybe you could mail them to me, and my life would t totally be complete. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, That's amazing. I don't have the bra, though, I'm afraid. <laughs> No, that made it. That pulled the whole record together. <laughs> so, so wait a minute. We did the photos um, at the art college ourselves because some wow. bizarre, um, who was the label over here that was going to release the album, we gave ideas where we wanted the cover to be and they tried to photograph it. Okay. Um, but it didn't work what they were, for us, it didn't work the way they were doing it. That was wow. coming over just a bit too sleazy. Okay. Uh, and okay. Um, so... The elbows were made by um, artists in London and so got them down to Portsmouth and Dave and I went to the, the art college and the photographer lecturer we knew there. We, we did the session and you know, we actually, they were photographed upside down. So they were both put on a couple of sort of um, mic stands and then the bra was stretched downwards over them. Just turned the photo upside down. Are, are they marble? No, it's made of oh, They're, they're fiberglass. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't think we'd get into that. The nuances of the uh, the elbow, the elbows from the elbow is taboo, um, and I'm really thankful that we went down that wormhole. Um, so, guys, if this I can, your favorite, Rich. We just had to, didn't? We? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Thank you for indulging. Um, but I want to, I want to just say, kind of, I reached out. You guys have been really good over the years to, uh, to always be very supportive, and um, I, I found that to be charming. It's kind of like having a, a teacher in high school who believes in what you do, and, and I really love that. So, you know, I, I, I reached out what a couple of months ago when I heard this new record of yours called Gertie Herding, and, um, and I think I, I, I freaked out alone, as I usually do to listening to your music, and my best friend Matt and I were going back and forth, and then I thought to myself, you know, he was saying the same thing, that it sounds like it was made, um, it's very difficult for me to say, like I think I emailed you this, it's, it sounds like it was made like just right after The Elbow is Taboo, and then it also sounds like it's from the future, like all of your music. So I wonder how the heck you've managed to... Um, like your your sound just continues to be awesome. It's not like like some some people over time different things can happen to their sound, right? But um, this sounds just as out there as everything else that you guys have done. And I I don't I don't know how how the heck did you manage to do that? I don't know, but it's interesting that um, 
Gurdy Herding, although it was 30 years after um, Elbow, it's very much, it kind of picks up the bat and where we dropped it 30 years ago. And I, I think had we the, um, the, had we had the technology at the time, it back in the 80s, it is, it is the album that we would have wanted to have made to follow on from, from Elbow then. And it's kind of some, in some strange way, 30 years later, we've, that's what we've done. It was one of the last things we spoke about, you know, before, um, you know, having our holiday was that we had both had an interest in medieval music. Okay, right. We developed right. an interest in that, and we wondered how, what, what it would do if we, sort of uh, approached medieval music in our own way, um, and that. But that's this is the result of it, as as Dave says, thirty odd years later. Wow. Other influences coming in, and 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 the technology to, to to make things happen. Amazing guys, amazing. Um... It, yeah, as I said, it sounds so fresh, and I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, and, then, and then I thought, let me reach out to them and see if you'd come on this podcast. And here we are sharing the stories and connecting uh, via Skype. And I got to tell you, it's, it's very special for me. Uh, I really, from the bottom of my heart, want to thank you for, um, for making time tonight and speaking with me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's no problem. It's a pleasure. I'm a, I'm a huge fan, as you know, and um, I, I I I wish you many more great recordings. Um, if you if you're new to the world of Ronaldo and the Loaf, check them out at RonaldoLoaf.com, or there's a Facebook fan page. Immerse yourself in this fantastic uh, body of work, guys. Is there anything coming up? Uh, like like, can we expect more from Ronaldo and the Loaf in the years to come? There's a, there's a well, we've just finished a remix. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. For, the, for an American band uh, called Bleeding. Controlled Bleeding. Controlled Bleeding. Yeah, an American band. They've been around, I think, since the late seventies, virtually the same as us. And they they um, they approached Clang Gallery, um, our label, and uh, invited us to do a, a remix of um, you know one of their songs. Unbelievable! We finished a couple of weeks ago. Wow, guys, that's amazing! I can't wait to hear it. When does that come out? Not Middle sure. of the year, sometime. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, if I can uh, give a, a small personal plug, in, please. In March, Clang Gallery are releasing uh, 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 a solo CD by me. So you you both at the same time are are doing solo work. Is that right? Well, this sort is not, of. Uh, sort okay. Of. Um, uh, what is the name of the release, David? It's uh, what well, the the album's called "The Entomology of Sound." Wow. The 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 name that I use for the solo stuff is the Darkening Scale. The Darkening what? Sorry. Scale. Ale, like A L E. No scale. S C A L E. Oh, the darkening scale okay well i can't wait to check all of this out um and and what is klein gallery is that a is that a, a label that's yeah that's the label they're based in vienna oh fantastic fantastic i can't wait to dig into that well, they're the they're the guys that re no we did all our re-released um 
oh, right. uh, albums on right. and expanded versions uh, with them. And, uh, you know, Walter, who, who runs the label, great guy. And uh, we get on like a house on fire. So uh, so it's just like a, a new Ralph Records. Really. Is that? Wow, wow. Great, great. It's just what we need. And, and I'm thankful to hear it, guys. Um, one last question. What else do you guys do when you're not leading this International League of Weirdos? <laughs> well, 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 I just work. work. I work now work in a charity shop for the Wales Air Ambulance. Wow. And I, I'm still working as an architect, um, uh, trying to forge a living, basically. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm a granddad now. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> All right, we'll play some of that more danceable Ronaldo and the Loaf repertoire for the, for the young grandson or granddaughter. Uh, it's, grand, it's a grandson, yeah. Right on. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do that, and I'll have to educate him when he's old enough to understand. He's only a baby right now. Right on, man. That's awesome. Can we play something off of Gertie uh, Herding to, 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 to sign off? Why don't we play, uh, what do you want to do, a pessimistic song in honor of uh, the state of the world? Pessimism. or? Or uh, <laughs> yes. no, I think with the state of the world, maybe optimism is a yeah. Uh... Yeah, let's go with scent <laughs> scent of turnip. How about that? Oh, nice choice. <laughs> okay, we're gonna end it with scent of turnip, another scent classic turnip. tune. Scent of turnip is certainly better than scent of Trump. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better, my friend. Um, okay, guys, uh, we love you and we thank you so much for uh, for the work that you've done. St stay on the line, okay? We're we're gonna we're gonna talk in a minute, but thank you so much for the work that you've done, guys. I really appreciate your time here. Great, thank you. Yeah, no, okay. Thanks, Rich. You're, you're thank you, thank you. Sniffing in 
Brian Poole, a.k.a. Ronaldo Malpractice, and David Jansen, Ted the Loaf. Ronaldo and the Loaf, thank you so much, guys. What an honor it was uh, to talk about your music. You won't meet two nicer guys in this here music industry, and that was part one. We're already talking about doing a part two to narrow in on their time in San Francisco, working with the residents on the title in Limbo record. So it's very exciting stuff. Keep following us at Industry Tactics on Twitter. And to learn more about my music, visit FriendlyRich.com. Until next time, goodbye.